AgriTalk is brought to you by Case IH. Solutions for every challenge, equipment for every farm. Case IH, built by farmers. And by propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. And by Grounded. Spray smarter and improve herbicide performance with Grounded, a multifunctional adjuvant from Helena. Congress has successfully kicked the budgeting can further down the road. That's left many wondering what the timeline on the farm bill looks like. We'll try to bring some clarity to that question. And it's time for the free-for-all. We'll talk government funding, farm bill, Iowa caucuses, ethanol to jet, and more. Live from the final laps of the week via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning we begin with a conversation with Representative G.T. Thompson. Then it's our Friday Barrick-Roll with panelists Jim Wiesmeyer and Tim Barack. Directly following the news, Jennifer Scheich from Farm Journal's Pork. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. Now welcome the host of AgriTalk, Jeff Flory. All right, Davis. Hey, today's looking good, dude. Is it? Yes. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah? Yeah. What do you got? What do you got we going? got a heck of a lineup for the show. It's already zero. Uh-huh. Ooh. It's already zero, so I'm guessing we're, you know, we got a chance of getting to double digits today again. Wow. So, yeah, it's looking good. A little bit of sun. Filtered mm-hmm. sun. Is that okay. a thing? That's a thing. Sure. Okay. Sure. It's probably yep. safer, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, you don't want to step outside and get sunburn on a day like today. Nobody wants that. No. 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 I don't know if that's going to happen or not. How you doing, buddy? Pretty good. We're at six degrees here in the city of fountains, um, and yet the fountains have have yet to thaw. You know, well, it's still a little chilly. Maybe this next week. Uh, we get through the weekend, and there is rain in the forecast. Mm-hmm. There are much warmer temperatures. There, there's even nighttime lows that may not get below freezing. Yeah, that's crazy stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so it's dang near corn growing weather warm-up. is what it is. <laughs> You're right. I Hurt think near. people are probably going to be hooking up the planter sometime middle of next week. Uh, they, Get, they may want to. Get, yeah, they'll be getting the edge. <laughs> they'll be getting the edge. Um, there's, boy, you want to talk about some confusion and uh, uh, yeah. trying to figure out exactly what what is going on with the timing of the farm bill. We're going to talk about it. Uh, we had a conversation late yesterday, later yesterday, with um, uh, Chairman of the House Ag Committee, Glenn Thompson, from Pennsylvania. And there, there was optimism growing that the farm bill was going to be taken up sooner rather than later. As you will hear, some of that optimism, a lot of that optimism, uh, may have been misplaced and a uh, uh, little different timeline for the chairman and the chairman's mark and when that bill might move out of his committee and so on. So we'll get to the bottom line of it today in the conversation. Yeah. Okay, man, let's get started. What do you got? Well, I've got a USDA daily sale, 297,000 metric tons of beans to China during the 23-24 marketing year, Chip. Yeah, great news. China's back in. Uh, when they get started buying some beans, they'll they typically stick around for a period of time. So hopefully, this yeah. is the start of a string. Good deal. 
Well, the National Weather Service outlook calls for another Arctic air intrusion spreading into much of the central and eastern U.S. Heavy precip moving into much of California for the weekend with heavy snow along the Sierra Nevadas. Significant icing is possible today and early Sunday through the Columbia River Gorge in the Pacific Northwest. Accumulating snows spreading from the Midwest into the Mid-Atlantic. Lake effect snows remain active into Saturday. Yeah, those old lake effect snows are a real thing again this year, no doubt. Well, despite the current cold weather and snowfall across much of the country, natural gas prices continue to decline. Currently around 15% lower than a year ago. That's on robust U.S. production and a mild supply overhang. Mild might not be the right word there, Chip. It's keeping a lid on those nat gas prices. It certainly is. Ahead of a snowstorm forecast for the D.C. area, the House voted yesterday to approve a continuing resolution that would fund the government through early March. The resolution was sent to President Biden. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah, and what what they're telling us is if we want Congress to get something done, put snow in the forecast. <laughs> That's, we cracked the code. Exactly. Put snow in the forecast, and they'll get something done 24 hours earlier than what they need to. Ain't no stopping us now. Mortgage rates this week fell to their lowest level in nearly eight months. The average rate on the standard 30-year fixed mortgage slid to 6.6%, this according to Freddie Mac. In other economic news, Macy's, the largest department store operator in the United States, has faced a decline in sales. It began during the pandemic as the shift toward online shopping disrupted the retail industry. Macy's says it is set to reduce its workforce by cutting roughly 3.5%. That's about 2,300 workers and change. Uh, cutting roughly 3.5% of its employees as an experienced retail executive is preparing to assume the role of CEO next month, Chip. And I just bring this up. Economic woes continue, bro. It's, yeah. it, there's a shift. Well, and I, how often how often do you have stuff delivered? Yeah. We have stuff delivered all the time. About every it's other day. It's just so much yep. easier than going to brick and mortar. Yep. Well, Chip, a couple here all working against shipping. The Panama Canal administrator says new cuts to service caused by low water levels projected to cost between 500 and $700 million dollars. To address the low water levels, the Panama Canal will reduce the daily number of ship uh, ship crossings. The first quarter of the waterway's fiscal year has already seen a 20% decrease yeah. in cargo and uh, dramatically fewer ships. Get yeah, this. Exactly. Recent attacks by Houthi rebels on cargo ships in the Red Sea have prompted many carriers there to choose the longer and more expensive route around Africa via the Cape of Good Hope for safety. And finally, the Kremlin says there's no chance of reviving the Black Sea grain deal and said that alternative routes for shipping Ukrainian grain carried huge risks. Chip, shipping, shipping, shipping. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, this feels like 2021 all over again. It does. It, yep. Davis, when, when we're talking about some of the disruptions that are happening out there and the cost mm-hmm. already 500 million to 700 million dollars. It, it's mm-hmm. just. Uh, and that's just because of the low water levels on the Panama Canal. The added right. cost of going around Africa, of going around South yep. America, yep. of of insurance if you decide to go through the Red Sea. My gosh, Crazy it's incredible. Stuff. Yep. Indeed. All right. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate yeah. it. Let's bring in Jennifer Scheich, Farm Journal Pork Editor. Good morning, Jennifer. Good morning. Yeah, it's a nice morning this morning, but boy, it's been a tough 10 days for livestock producers. Uh, it sure has. I was talking to somebody yesterday and they said, 
I feel like I am in on a tropical island today because it's like nine degrees and the sun is out and the wind was down, but it's been tough. And earlier this week, I was talking to several producers from that Western Illinois, kind of around Mercer County, that area, maybe into Warren County a little bit, because I have family back there and the reports that I've heard from my brother-in-law about how much snow they were getting um, and how hard it was with calving prompted me to like reach out to some other livestock producers just to see how they were getting along. Sounds like they had nearly 24 inches of snow. But I think the hard part of all that was you add that with the below zero temperatures and the winds. And it was just it made livestock farming very challenging. And it just struck me how we often if, if you don't have livestock and you aren't and you don't know anything about livestock production, it's so easy for you to lose sight of like how hard that is and how hard they work just to put food on our tables. Yeah. So, um, you know, on porkbusiness.com, there's a, a, a neat story with kind of incredible photos of what these farmers have went through um, in the past, you know, 10 days or so. Um, it makes yeah. you think a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly does. And And even if you did not get caught in this latest round of winter weather take a yep. look at this article at at porkbusiness.com because it, it it's going to give you some ideas of things that you should think about for you know be prepared when it does hit you so really good yep. really good stuff hey yep. thank you so much jennifer stay warm thank you all right you jennifer shake farm journal pork editor we've got representative glenn thompson chairman of the house ag committee next my mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. When news breaks, the newsmakers talk about it on AgriTalk with Chip Flory. Welcome back to AgriTalk. It has been a busy week in Congress. One of the busiest guys in the Beltway has been House Ag Committee Chairman Glenn G.T. Thompson from Pennsylvania. He joins us right now. Mr. Chairman, welcome back to AgriTalk. Yep, great to be with you. Always appreciate the opportunity. Okay, so 
I understand that you've laid out a schedule for consideration of the farm bill. Are we going to see a chairman's mark of the bill by early February? Uh, no, there was some uh, miscommunications. What I had talked about was uh, we would need a three-week, three consecutive weeks at whatever point that we can accomplish that. February does not, the congressional schedule in February would not allow that to occur. So that was the miscommunications. Uh, I'm, you know, we're working hard on this. As you know, we've spent more than two years listening to, you know, producers and stakeholders so that we can write policies informed by the very people impacted by it. And um, we're still uh, waiting. Uh, some of the things that, that are key are, you know, we really do need to have the Congressional Budget Office uh, complete its uh, financial analysis. They've been really good with a lot of the titles. They're just not, not completely finished yet. So, um, but it really comes down to looking, uh, as I'm looking at the schedule, the congressional schedule, we need three congress three consecutive weeks to be able to get this done. Gotcha. Gotcha. How much of a wrench in the works are the, is, is the appropriations process? Can you move forward under a continuing resolution? Or do you have to wait for the appropriations bills to, to wrap up? Well, I, you know, the, the goal is uh, uh, later today we will be voting on, uh, uh, well, within a few hours, actually, about an hour and a half, we'll be voting on the continuing resolutions, uh, which will push to, I think it's still two-tiered, uh, March 1st, March 8th. The good news is Agaprobes is in March 1st, and uh, the commitment, I think, of the Speaker, and and as I've heard from uh, the uh the Appropriations Committee Chair Granger uh, is they, you know, they they feel with some confidence that we we could have these appropriation bills wrapped up. The key one, obviously, Chip, okay. for us really is that for me, anyways, is ag approach. And sure. so I'll be encouraging them to go alphabetical <laughs> on these appropriation <laughs> bills. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, how has it been working with Speaker Johnson? Did he, is is he encouraging you to push the timeline on the farm bill? Yeah, it's been outstanding. Uh, uh, Speaker Johnson is is so supportive. He's voted for past farm bills. He's been supportive on agriculture issues, um, and personally, he's been very encouraging of me and and uh, and my leadership. And so, <laughs> I've got a great partner uh, when it comes to actually all of our leadership. Uh, uh, Leader Scalise. Uh, uh, Whip Emmer, uh, Conference Chair Stefanik, um, I, I'm blessed with a um, a leadership team that are all in on on this farm bill. And, and you know what? I, they recognize how important it is to the country, to uh, food security, to national security, to economic security, um, and uh, mm -hmm. quite frankly, it's uh, you know this is um, I, I think. You know, I think in general, the, the Farm Bill is seen as one of the most significant bipartisan accomplishments that we can that we can achieve in the 118th Congress. OK, um, so when do you think that you might be able to move the bill out of committee then? Well, a lot uh, that depends on uh, Congressional Budget Office. We are okay. absolutely dependent on them uh, giving us uh, the, the final estimates um, and projections. You know, we are expecting here within a, a couple 
uh, well, I, I don't know if it'll be next week, but but sometime soon, uh, the, the most uh, recent baseline projection mm-hmm. and for the for the farm bill. And that'll be uh, that'll be significant. That'll be a very useful piece of information. Uh, I have certainly enlisted the um, speaker and his staff support of uh, joining me and and just really encouraging the Congressional Budget Office to uh, provide their their full attention to the Farm Bill. Okay. Uh, Title I funding, making some updates to the reference prices. Uh, Senator Stabenow, chair of the Senate Ag Committee, made mention uh, of the need to update the ARC and the PLC. Is that still the biggest hurdle for the overall bill? Well, it's it's a significant amount of money, and and yeah. we, I certainly believe that we need to do that. How much we can do, uh, and what improvements we'll be able to accomplish, uh, is is part of the remaining task of, of where can we find the the financial resources. We, uh, you know, there is no new money available really to invest in the current needs beyond those okay. identified within our jurisdiction. That said, current. And future needs cost money, and we, we, th- this farm bill chip, you know, has uh, really come together in a strong bipartisan way in terms of priorities. Um, I would say tripartisan. I like to say that because of the voice of the American producer and processor cool. uh, as well, and so. Um, how much we're able to accomplish really will be driven by uh, where we can find those additional financial resources. And yes, uh, an update to the Title One is, um, you know, an appropriate update. A uh, minimal update is a significant amount of money, and I, I think we want to more do more than just a a, a minimal update on under Title One. Gotcha, gotcha. Good, good, I, and. There's there's some creative thoughts going on around Title One. Chairwoman Stabenow sent out a letter to her colleagues. Is it right that she is considering a proposal that would uh, beef up crop insurance, but would require farmers, row crop farmers, to choose between the subsidized crop insurance and the ARC or the PLC programs? Well, I'm not sure about her proposal. I mean, she obviously, I'm uh, Senator Stabenow is a good friend, uh, the chairwoman yeah. on the Senate sides. Uh, she's doing what she feels she needs to do. Uh, we are, uh, you know, we're, you know, obviously we're we're kind of focusing on what we believe is the best way to to approach this. Uh, overall, I do think it's important to uh, one of the things that we could do is is when it comes to crop insurance is make it more affordable. And more affordable for everyone. Um, okay. it, yeah, I think it has the biggest, one of the biggest return on investments. Um, yeah, it is probably the number one need, certainly that I heard, you know, traveling the country over 80 different uh, congressional listening sessions over the over the past two years. Yeah. Um, and that is to protect and strengthen crop insurance. Yeah. Yeah. No question about it. No question. Uh, I want to switch gears on you just a bit here. The General Accountability Office released a report on Thursday in response to a request that you made in the fall of 2022 asking about foreign uh, investment and ownership in U.S. farmland. What did you learn from that report? Well, um, under the under the title of better late than never, I guess, (laughs) uh, because it was just really on. Now, the last. Last couple months, it's 
the you know their draft was done um but they were running it through the different agencies to get some final tune so i, I appreciate the the comprehensiveness of the process they went through but yeah i was proud to, to join with uh house committee on oversight and accountability chairman uh uh, uh jamie comer um mm -hmm. and i think we had over 120 100 whether well, 128 of our colleagues that joined us in requesting uh, really a study looking at the foreign investment in U.S. farmland and its impact on national security, trade, and food security, just as important as those other two. Um, and it's, uh, you know, so we're, we're coming through that report. Um, I'm looking forward to hosting a, uh, a chairing a hearing on this title so that we can provide some transparency to this. Um, I appreciate the hard work that the Government Accounting Organization uh, went through and and now we want to use this uh you know because there's a uh obviously what it reflected was you know growing foreign ownership of u.s farmland particularly by china though you know this was not uh the first rodeo on this issue right. my understanding is back in the 80s it was japan that was yeah. um you know an island nation high population density you know that was uh buying up some agriculture assets in the united states and at that point a lot of states uh including my home state of pennsylvania i know south dakota did this they they yeah. put limitations on at that point and so this is where we'll pick up the ball and okay. and and look at how do we safeguard our farmland and our food supply um and i do think it's going to take a whole of government approach okay yeah yeah oh I, i'm sure it will when we talk about issues as important as food security and national security it better take the whole of government approach to it. Uh, Chairman Thompson, thank you so much for your time. We certainly appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much. It's just a, always an honor and a privilege to catch up with you. Thanks for being a great voice for America's number one industry, agriculture. Fantastic. Thank you for that. We appreciate it. That is Glenn G.T. Thompson, Chairman of the House Ag Committee. We've got the free-for-all up next. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Joining us now, ProFarmer editor Brian Grady Beach. Plus signs in the grains here this morning. Yeah, aside from soy oil, it's uh, trading yep. to the downside. But everything else, uh, corn, soybeans, soy meal, and, and uh, all three of the wheat markets are, are trading to the upside on some uh, corrective buying. So uh, it started yesterday, and, and uh, we had some uh, corrective gains and, and some follow-through here to close out the week. So, um, you know, and we've had better weeks, but uh, at least ending on a uh, – it looks like it'll end on a positive note. And we had some good export sales. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the, the corn sales in particular, more than 1.25 uh, million tons there, and, and uh, wheat, uh, more than 700,000 metric tons there, and, and uh, you know, even uh, soybeans uh, at 781,000 tons uh, was a, a solid performance. So uh, we needed that. So a couple weeks of, through the holidays and, uh, you know, really rough export sales, and, and uh, so we bounced back in a big way there. Yeah, all right. Take us over to the livestock trade. Got a report this afternoon for cattle. Absolutely. Cattle on feed report uh, coming out this afternoon at 2 o'clock Central Time and, and pretty quiet ahead of the report. Uh, still waiting on active cash cattle trade, and it looks like that probably won't happen until after uh, the cattle on feed report comes out. And, and so uh, we'll kind of get a flurry of activity. Yeah. 
after the markets have closed. But uh, for now, just pretty quiet with the downside bias in, in live cattle futures. Uh, feeders are narrowly mixed and, and barely moving at all. And then uh, hog futures, uh, just slipping a little bit to the downside. Yeah. So uh, narrowing up the uh, premiums they hold to the cash market. And that cash market continues to rise. It's up again today. So, uh, you know, we're, we're putting in a seasonal low in, in the cash. Gotcha. Good stuff. Have a great weekend, Brian. Thanks. That is Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady on Markets Now. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Hey. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. The truth is hard to come by these days, unless you listen to AgriTalk. Didn't sing yesterday because it didn't feel too good. You're much better, girl. All right. Glad to hear that. We're back. Glad to hear that. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I am Chip Flory. Glad that you're with us. That is Davis Michelson. Yo. And joining us right now, Tim Barak, Iowa farmer up in northeast Iowa. How are you, Tim? I am very good, Chip. Two more inches of snow last night. Yeah. Yep. Warming up, though. We got a couple more cold days, and then it'll start to warm up for us. So there, there is light at the end of that tunnel, buddy. Yes, there is. It's yep. winter. Yes. Yep. That's right. Jim Wiesmeyer, Pro Farmer Policy Analyst, is with us. Hey, Jim. Hey, Chip. Yeah, we're getting about five inches here, and that shuts down D.C. to such right. a degree that they actually voted early on the continuing <laughs> resolution. So that's what it takes here. That's right. That's exactly right. You got what you want them to hit a deadline. Put snow in the forecast. That'll get yes, it done. Ab- absolutely. Yep. Hey, we need to start with you, Jim, following that conversation with Chairman Thompson. Uh, the best I can tell from all of this is that the timing of the farm bill is still very much a moving target. 
Absolutely. That, uh, I'm not quite sure why he did the initial interview with Bloomberg, to tell you the truth. I think he would have been better off, Chip, doing what Senate Ag Chairwoman Debbie Stabenow did earlier this week, uh, putting uh, uh, words to paper and sending it to her colleagues on an update where she was on the farm bill that probably would have served uh uh gt better my yeah uh so yeah we're we're a little more confused now than we were before on the house timeline yeah that's too bad uh we we know that 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 chairman thompson is an enthusiastic leader for this farm bill process and if he could get it done he would get it done but, Jim, he continues to bring up the CBO and needing some scoring from the CBO on some of the on some of the titles. Yeah, that it's just uh, lingering. That means that they must have had some late proposals there, much like in the Senate side, too, by yeah. the way, because of what what Stabenow proposed, the blockbuster to to have farmers actually yeah. choose between uh, a souped-up uh, crop insurance program or the existing uh, a Title I, uh, uh, you know, farmer uh, right. a safety net program. So right. that was a blockbuster there. But bottom line on the House, Chip, is no matter what you hear, uh, until there's an agreement on the overall funding of the U.S. government for this fiscal year, that means all the departments, no more CRs, get their work done. That's going to take a while. And and then you have uh, possible work on a potential supplemental and border uh, enforcement measure bill. Yeah, they're not going to want to consider a farm bill on the House floor until those two things are done. Yep. Okay. Tim, that proposal for from uh, Chairwoman Stabenow. Okay, the way it stands now, you can buy at a subsidized rate crop insurance, and you can sign up for the ARC or the PLC program. Her proposal is that you'd have to pick between crop insurance or the safety net programs, the ARC and the PLC. How's that going to fly? Uh, it's confusingly. That's how I look at it. Very okay. confusing. And, and, and until you see the numbers, you know, first you got to find out what your crop insurance averages are yet to be determined. And you know that we'll know that at the end of February. Yep. I guess when you're looking a year in advance from now, if we have a farm bill for next year that has these changes, it will be interesting. But I don't think farmers are going to like having choices taken away. But right. unless the base prices are raised, I initial reaction without knowing really knowing anything other than what you just said is I think farmers would have to go with the crop insurance. Yeah. Unless the price are so low, which means we've got another whole set of issues. But <laughs> absolutely, you, you hit the nail on the head because how do you think the Congressional Budget Office will score this? The vast majority of farmers would choose crop insurance and a souped up crop insurance that will probably be paid for by this this choice. So I think that's that's where she's coming from. Not for sure, but so, I think that's why. Wow. My question, my, my question for Jim is, in the end, who actually writes a farm bill? The legislators or the CBO? Or the CBO? No, the legislators. The although, 
or the CBO modifies it because if if it if it's scoring, you, you know they have to keep you know, uh, they have to keep modifying their proposal. How much bias can they put in that of their own? Do you have can they do that at all? Well, they'll say most everybody will say they're a non nonpartisan, uh, but you know that's just human human beings. I think all in all, they try to be as as nonpartisan as they can be because they're economists, you know, and just like USDA statisticians on a survey, they, they want to do their best job in estimating a crop. I would hope that the CBO analysts are the same way. They, they yeah. want to have a bona fide uh, reflective analysis of, of proposals, but there's always some, you know, subjectivity involved. Jim, I think the, it's important to remind the- everyone that there's been a change in leadership at CBO, right? Uh, yeah, and of and even in agriculture, you had and I know the people knew the people quite well. You had ag-oriented people who, who were there for thirty years, Chip. They retired, yeah. and so you know the brain drain. It takes a while to to get up to speed. And I'm not chastising CBO, but that's just reality. Yeah. So and and you throw up some of these proposals late in the game it takes time to go through the uh uh, impacts there so i think that's what we're seeing yeah jim on this proposal from stabenow you know crop insurance or safety net program the house leadership and chairman thompson in particular he's not going to go for that is he Absolutely not. I wish he kind of would have been forceful against it because history clearly shows, Chip, and we've got the line from an analyst and pro farmer, crop insurance is not designed to handle every peril that a farmer faces. They can handle multiple years of depressed prices. That That's what the Title right. One uh, program was designed to do. And the more you put on crop insurance, if you do, then the more the anti- farm program zealots will come after that program and we yeah. know crop insurance works so yeah. you, you don't want to do be too tilted for one program yep yep and like tim said you get into a year where you put you, you know the, you, the average of december corn futures in february november bean futures in february if if that is a quote-unquote low price all right below the cost of production there's then there's no safety net um and it's absolutely uh, then it then it gets real dicey yeah let's hope that they don't make a fundamental mistake here and i don't think that they will i just think this is a is a a funding exercise that probably sabinal even knows that on the floor this would never never be approved Uh, maybe even not even in the senate but i'll guarantee you not in the house right okay all right, I want to switch gears in the little bit of time that we've got left in this segment. We talked about the Iowa caucuses on Wednesday, and, and Kevin Ross over in Western Iowa did a great job kind of summarizing it. Tim, but I want to get your take on what took place earlier this week in the Iowa caucuses. What was your reaction? Trump is even stronger than I expected him to be. He powered through. At my caucus, he was 60% or more, and... People are fed up. They've had enough. They view him as the individual to make the changes necessary. And I don't, if if other states are like Iowa, he's going to be the nominee. Yeah. Jim, 
other states well, are like you, Iowa. Yeah. When you look at the real clear politics, the latest one, it shows Trump pulling away or appears to be pulling away, even in New Hampshire, 40, uh, let's call it 47 percent versus Haley's 33 percent. If Haley doesn't come close, if not wins New Hampshire, uh, the, you know, this thing's uh, uh, over if it's not over already. Yeah. Jim, it was one of the last items that you had in your report this morning from Charlie Cook, uh, the Cook political report. Yeah. Quote, some never Trumpers would lie down on the tracks if need be to try to derail Donald Trump's third consecutive GOP nomination. Certain journalists will use every bit of their creativity to conjure up. But if scenarios that results in another nominee, but. There was little in the results of the Iowa caucuses on Monday to support any conclusion other than Trump's inevitability. Yes, that's, and that's pretty why good Charlie, summary. Absolutely, and that's why Charlie Cook is the preeminent uh, analyst for a long time on election year politics. The, so the question then becomes, guys, can Trump beat Biden? Jim, uh, he should be further away. That it's 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 up in the air uh, 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 because he should be further ahead in 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 the polls right now, considering where Biden where Biden is on issues plus his his uh, uh, popularity ratings or the lack thereof. And but I think this is going to put more pressure on the Democratic leadership beyond uh, Biden chip to uh, force a change. So watch that. No doubt. No doubt. Okay. Uh, Great start. We are off and running on a shortened uh, free-for-all today. We've got Jim Wiesmeyer, pro-former policy analyst, Tim Barak uh, from Northeast Iowa. We've got a couple of issues that Tim is bringing to the table that I want to talk about next. We've got an update on some things happening at Clear Flame. And let's talk a little bit of ethanol to jet, too. My mom's got a new case I extractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case I extractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. 
Do you suffer from talking on the radio phobia? No problem. Send us a tweet at hashtag AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk and the Free For All. We've got me, Davis Michelson, Jim Wiesmeyer, and Tim Burak here on the Free For All this morning, wrapping up a week. Tim, something that you brought my attention to a few years ago now, and uh, we've been trying to keep up with everything that they are doing and the research that they're doing uh, at Clearflame is uh, uh, it's interesting technology in that they are taking diesel engines and running them on, is it 100% ethanol, Tim? Yes, yes. Yeah. And they're making great progress with great testing results, aren't they? Yeah, and I just... You know, this was just put out this week that they've had four trucks on running testing, but now Vanderhaegs, a large trucking firm, has bought the first one that they're going to use to run between all their Lerdo locations. And what they found out was they're reducing fuel costs 50%, which is a big deal if you run a lot of miles, you know. Yeah go down to ethanol at $2 and 30 cents gallon versus diesel fuel at four fifty. That's a hell of a savings. Yep. Yep. And, and so the this truck is performs. Exciting. Here's the, here's the exciting part of this though, Chip. Yeah. So if this technology is, if, if we can implement that in the nation and we can capture just 3% of the diesel fuel market using a hundred percent ethanol, that's a billion bushels of corn. Oh, and geez. that's that's a remarkable number at three percent, and what something that would be just fantastic. Holy smokes! Three percent of the heavy truck. If we can get three percent of the heavy truck market over to burning that the or using the clear flame technology, another billion bushels of corn demand for ethanol. That's that's an amazing stat there, Jim. On this same topic. I'll admit, a couple of weeks ago when you mentioned this, I was kind of like, oh, come on. But and I've looked into it some more. You're right. The hybrids are gaining all kinds of traction. Yeah. When when uh, the conservatives in my own family start buying hybrid cars, that was my first indication because they've been – deniers but they're buying them they're buying a honda toyota hybrids etc and i can see it to my friends out here it's a good bridge if nothing else it gives you the best of both you know i i've said this before i've driven the i've rented toyota hybrids and i've you know was excited i want to see how this works there must be a new level of technology that's coming in these the the new hybrids because the amount of time that the Toyotas that I've driven the Toyota hybrids that I've driven the amount of time that they spend on running on battery is unbelievably low it like backs you out of the backs you out of the parking spot and when you put it and drive the, the the gas motor turns on yes yes and and if the battery does go out, sometimes you got to pay what four thousand dollars. I've talked to a number of people; they just don't replace the battery. They just use you know the the uh, yeah. uh, you, you gas power, and it still gives them pretty good miles per gallon. That, sure, that's where you see it. But I yeah, want to go back to gas unit. Yes, I want to go back to underscore what Tim said. 
when I was in Farm Credit, uh, Illinois yesterday in Effingham, Illinois, great meeting, great farmers there. I told them, don't get too down with the downturn in prices because innovation in agriculture has always been one of our keys. And this is another example, potential example of how corn can rebrand, uh, get ahead in the industrial revolution that's going on. So this is good, positive news for the future. Yeah, yeah. Part of that revolution, Tim. And uh, again, kudos to you for putting it on my radar a long time ago or and and uh, keeping it there is the ethanol to jet. What's the latest that you've heard? You were at a Lanza jet presentation recently. Saw that yesterday. Here's what okay. took place: a local pioneer dealer decided he wanted to educate his customers on what's coming in the future on renewables. Nice. So he had a presentation on on uh, renewable diesel, and he had a presentation on from Lanza jet. Landjet is next week is going to open their first 10 million gallon ethanol to jet plant in Georgia. And okay. it's remarkable technology. It's going to be a pilot plant. You know, they're going to proof everything that uh, they think they know and learn a lot more from it. And, you know, with just the domestic market alone of 33 billion gallons for yeah. airlines, commercial airlines, it's got huge potential for the future, but it's also got the huge downside. They talked about everything we do is based on our carbon index scores, everything. Um, uh, sustainable aviation fuel is, you know, has to have a low carbon index score. And to get that, it has to have a low feedstock. And they said today, ethanol from the U.S. does not meet that carbon index score that they have to have, so they're bringing it in from Brazil. Now, here's the interesting part. The In the meeting was a manager of a 200 million gallon ethanol plant. And we got into the discussion of, he said, my, man, my boss is going to be at this grand opening next week in, in Georgia. But we've been studying how can we meet the needs to fill this plant with, with U.S. ethanol. And he said, we're trying all kinds of small things. But the one thing that'll get us there is carbon capture technology, yeah. which today would be the CO2 pipeline that is being proposed. Gotcha. But if we can hook up to that, we immediately drop 30 points and we meet their requirements. Wow. And, and, and here's the other amazing thing. Uh, yep. 60 people in the room, almost no one understands carbon index and what's going on yet. Yeah. This is all news to them. Yep, yep. There's there's still a, a steep curve to climb on understanding uh, uh, what this all means and the potential of it all and and the, pro- the, the projects that are already underway. Good stuff. Thank you so much for that update there, Tim. Appreciate that. You're welcome. All right. Thank you. You for bet. You bet. That's Tim Barak, Northeast Iowa. Jim Wiesmeyer, Pro Farmer Policy Analyst. All right. Thank you so much for listening this morning. Davis is going to be back this afternoon. We're going to have a conversation with Scott Davis from Bullpen Trading.